everybody, and welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford. And I'm Peter Glassford. This week, our guest is the author of the new book, Hit Reset, and the founder of Jazz Yoga. She lives in London, England, and used to be a basketball player, which is pretty sweet, but now Erin Taylor is actually a yogi and teaches yoga all around the world with her Jazz Yoga video platform and her new book, Hit Reset, which focuses on yoga for athletes. She's also a new mom, but managed to find an hour out of her day to chat with me, and thankfully her new baby didn't wake up during the call. Uh, So I have a a special love of yoga. It's sort of one of those things I've jumped in and out of for, I guess, the past decade. Um, But for the past almost year now, I have managed to actually stick to a practice of a few minutes of yoga in the morning. And I was super stoked that Erin thought that that actually made more sense than going to just one random class a week, which is unfortunately what I end up or used to end up doing since we're on the road so much. Uh, Peter, how about you? What's your yoga practice? Um, I don't know that I have a tremendous yoga practice, but I've definitely gone to a variety of classes, and um, I always look at them more as sort of recovery time, meditation time. Um, you know, it's sort of isolating myself in a room, and I always struggle. We talked about it with Ryan Leach. I always wanted to be the best at the yoga, and I like to think that I'm pretty good at moving and fair, I've been pretty flexible as well. So I always was trying to push the limits there, but that I found was, you know, basically like going out on my bike or something like that. You know, you end up sore or, you know, doing more chaturanga push ups or something than someone else. So I started just not trying and just really focusing on the breathing and the meditation. And so for me, I think that's more where yoga comes from. But I would say daily I'm doing some sort of mobility. So your lunges or your back bends or you know, anything like that, just to sort of work through whatever injury or soreness or whatever I have from riding or running. So yeah, um, for sure. And that really fits in with a lot of what Erin and I talk about in this, uh, this podcast. She actually almost hates using the phrase yoga, because she thinks, you know, athletes tend to think of yoga as a thing that yeah, stands apart from their sport. It's the one hour a week where they go and they do this stretch thing and yeah, try to win and try to get into these crazy positions that maybe they're they're not ready for. And we talk a lot about how if you're shoving yourself into a position, kind of shoehorning yourself into it and using maybe the wrong parts of your body. I know I tend to use my my low back is pretty flexible, so I'll get into stuff by just contorting that mm-hmm. instead of actually, you know, opening my hips or doing the the pose, but it kind of looks okay in a class setting so I can still win the pose. Uh, that's not actually helping my my flexibility at all. It's probably going to make things worse for sure and you're gonna see people like that with our thoracic sort of rolled forward in the shoulders and upper back and then people with tight hips from their sitting and their pedaling and stuff but then the low back very being very hypermobile so you can sort of get into those lunge postures or back bend postures but rather than you know back bending through more your upper back and shoulders then you're doing it through the low back or rather than lunging more by opening up your hips you can open up sort of let your 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 belly your man belly come out <laughs> Um, Always a sexy move. Yeah, so Um, for sure that's a risky element in yoga. Yeah, so we talked about bringing yoga into more of our daily routine versus uh, just cramming it into that one hour a week. Uh, During our call, I kept uh, starting to get into like tree pose and stuff just because she's talking so much about yoga. I was like, oh, shoot, should I be doing yoga right now? So if you hear any weird stuff, it's probably me falling. 
Um, but yeah, outside of my, my new daily yoga additions to what I'm, I've been doing for work, we actually had a pretty sweet week. Our friends threw us a bachelor and bachelorette party that involved uh, downhill mountain biking for the girls and some cross-country mountain biking for the guys. Uh, and then some margaritas and tacos. So it was sort of the best of both worlds, I thought. I had a blast downhill mountain biking. I was very nervous heading out, but we ended up having a really fun time. For anyone out there nervous about the idea of downhilling, honestly, there are so many beginner trails at pretty much every place that are easier than most cross-country trails that I'm on, and you're on a much bigger bike. So I highly recommend it if you're lacking mountain bike confidence. Yeah, it's really probably better than taking even just friends new to cycling. It's probably a better thing because you get a break every 10 minutes, basically. Yeah. To ride the lift in Ontario, at least. We had a lot of gossip on the gondola, for sure. Yeah. But then there's not the fitness requirement as much less. And like you say, the bikes have so much travel and giant tires that, you know, I would say the skill level might even be less as far as barrier to entry versus a lot of cross-country trail. Yeah, for sure. And how was your your cross-country ride? Oh, just two good friends of mine, and we went riding, and yeah, it was good. I ended up, I had a session with one of the younger girls I coach in the morning, and she keeps getting faster, so I ended up, I think, with five and a half hours of training, so I was laying on the couch, passed out, but it was before we got to any scotch, so that was good, but yeah, it was a good week, though. We got running in and a couple other different things, excited to talk golf tomorrow, and... Yeah. Yeah, lots of cool stuff coming up. But for now, let's get into the podcast. So everybody, meet Erin Taylor. She is awesome. I guess the the first thing is, you know, uh, could you give us a bit of your your basic background and how you got into yoga in the first place? Sure. Um, I played basketball in college, um, and my freshman year, I had a pretty serious back injury, which you know, put me on the sidelines for the season. And the team doctor wanted me to just work on core strength and my flexibility, which both of which were extremely lacking at the time. (laughs) And so I spent about eight months, really, that's how long it took to to kind of get over the hump of my injury, but spent about eight months just really focused on core stuff and flexibility and really yoga um, was was how I addressed that. Um, I remember at the, at the time I was just going to kind of just like random yoga classes that were offered at my university. And I remember at the time, like thinking, Oh, this is bullshit. (laughs) This is so boring. And, you know, I, I like, I, but as an athlete, you know, it's like injuries are so devastating. You're like willing to do anything to like, to stay out there. So, um, you know, I, I stayed with it and I remember really wishing that there was like a style or teacher or approach that would, would speak more directly to my needs as, as an athlete, as a basketball player specifically. Um, and that would really help me to like connect the dots of how, what we're doing on the mat translates to the basketball court. Um, and really, ultimately, that became the the inspiration for me to to start teaching, um, because, you know, even though there wasn't a sports specific approach available when I first started doing yoga, um, 
you know, that, that, that was actually kind of a gift because it forced me to think really critically about like what I was doing and how it could impact my performance. And, um, you know, when I eventually got back on the court, I was just a different athlete. I was so much stronger, so much just more resilient. Um, and so I was like, just a huge believer in just the power of yoga to make you a better athlete. Just, it's just like game changing. So, um, so after university, I set out to, to start teaching and just spent a number of years really just trialing and erroring different things and just thinking really critically about like what would help athletes in different sports. And, um, you know, so again, I was kind of, I felt sort of, you know, on one hand frustrated that there was no one to like teach me how to teach yoga to athletes. But at right. the same time, it was, it was good because it really forced me to like trailblaze a little bit and really, um, you know, come up with some stuff that really like, um, that I really was able to observe it working, um, for different athletes in different sports. So really, um, that's what I now call jazz yoga, which, um, you know, I've been teaching for 10 years now and, um, hit reset is kind of the, kind of the combination of my body of work, um, up to this point. Yeah. And actually getting, getting into the book and I'm going to come back to jazz yoga in a second, but how did you come up with the title hit reset? What is it? What does it mean for athletes? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, you know, Really, like one of the the key messages that I, I'm trying to get across is that really, like as an athlete, your goal should be balance because your body is engineered for balance. And so when you're balanced, like mm -hmm. you will perform your best in anything. And um, so really balance is the goal. But rea the reality is that sports create imbalances. And so we need some way to systematically address that. And so, you know, to me, when I first started doing yoga, and I started feeling the effects of, of some of the things I was doing on the mat, it, it felt like I had like hit the re reset button, it felt like I had hit reset. And so I started to talk about what we do on the mat as, you know, a reset or to hit reset is, you know, it's, it's a yoga solution that eases the imbalances that we're imposing on ourselves as athletes. Yeah. And I think it appeals to athletes just because, I mean, even in the intro, you say, you know, hit reset solves problems. And I feel like that's sort of what athletes are looking for. Not necessarily um, the whole idea of, you know, yoga as a emotional and spiritual thing they're looking for yeah the problem solving aspect of it oh totally like molly sometimes i just like i don't even want to use the word yoga because <laughs> it because it and i'm still kind of like you know like think like you know thinking that through a little bit more like just because it puts so many athletes off and yeah i mean this is it's problem solving it really yeah. is yeah I think it's funny you were mentioning the yoga in college thing because I remember doing almost the exact same thing when I was a cyclist in college, just showing up to whatever classes, you know, were on campus and free for students. And they were terrible. It was either really like hippie, exactly what you expect from like a traditional yoga thing, or it was really weird, like core work. 
versus actual yoga. Sure. <laughs> yep, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then, you know, really quickly, other than, than the problem solving and balance, so how can balance, I guess, help an athlete in, you know, just a really basic sense? I mean, balance, obviously good, but what exactly is it about it that really speaks to an athlete need? Right. I mean, so it's like your body is engineered. It's it's designed like the way it is for a reason. Yeah. Um, and our sports are are pulling us, you know, outside of, you know, our natural balance state in all kinds of ways. And if we don't address that, um, those imbalances lead to compensation, which lead to injury. So, mm-hmm. I mean, really, it's about finding ways to consciously bring yourself back toward a more happy medium um otherwise you you will get injured eventually like I don't want to use like fear tactics <laughs> but it's just like it's it's a fact I mean it's a fact like just just the the demands that we put on our our bodies and you know mo- most sports are like cycling just such a repetitive movement 100%. Um, that yeah you know, that's, it's just creates so much imbalance. So, um, we just really need to, we need to address it. Otherwise, like you'll find yourself like, you know, on the sidelines and it will suck. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And it's so preventative, right? Like doing this before you have problems versus waiting until you have these issues. For real. Yeah. Um, so in your, in your 10 years of doing this, have you seen athletes, you know, change how they were, how they were training. And I mean, I guess just get more powerful with the balance. I mean, especially I'm thinking about cycling, right? Like if you can actually balance and open your hips and all that stuff, I imagine you would have a lot more power on the bike. So have you seen a lot of that happen? Definitely. You know, when, when you are able, even though like cycling is only using a limited range of motion. Um, I mean, if you spend time, really reminding your body of its full capacity, taking your muscles, your joints through full range of motion and making that really conscious effort to maintain balance. That's ultimately what enables you to tap like your true potential for power um, rather than only cycling all the time. Um, So I have seen athletes really, you know, start to spend more time on yoga. I mean, many athletes don't really get serious about it until they're injured, unfortunately. Um, But, you know, I've seen a lot of athletes, you know, start to embrace that they need to be doing other things and more preventative things and that you can work yoga into your schedule in a super relevant, like practical way, you don't have to, and it doesn't take a lot of time. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's cool to see athletes kind of make that shift and, um, just feel better and perform so much better as a result. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that actually leads me to what do you think the best way for an athlete is to start yoga? I mean, is it to do it just at home? Is it to go to a class? Is it to, you know, go to a private session so they can sort of nail down how moves are actually supposed to happen? Right. Well, I think in your, the questions you sent me, like what you asked, like, um, 
one thing to do before going to a yoga class, because I think a lot of athletes start by thinking, oh, I've heard yoga can help me or someone tells them they need to work on flexibility. So, you know, they they just go to some class at a local studio. Yep. And, you know, but again, the dots need to be connected. Like we know yoga can help us, but but um it has to be practical. So, in other words, it's not it's not just about doing yoga, it's how you do it that matters, especially yes. as an athlete. Um so if you're if you're going to go to a class, it's super important that you get some info about the class you're going to and make sure it's appropriate for your needs and where you're at as an athlete. Um, obviously athletes were known for being competitive and, you know, if you bring that attitude into a class that's too advanced or a class that just is not putting things into context for you, which is highly likely mm-hmm. you will, you'll really risk injuring yourself. And it's like, how pissed off would you be if you injured yourself in a yoga class? Oh um, yeah. I've seen this like many times and it's like, yeah, it's really disappointing when that happens. Yeah. I actually slipped a disc at a Bikram yoga class. Oh no. And yeah, it was probably one of like the most embarrassing, like pathetic moments of my life when I realized that yoga had injured me. It's like, come on, it's supposed to be my recovery day. Yeah, totally. Yep. It's yeah. I've seen that kind of thing like so many times. And so it's like, okay, so it's like, what, what is the best way for an athlete to start? It's like, yeah, you just need to remember that it's not, it's not just about going to whatever random class happens to be convenient in your schedule. If you're serious about making an impact on your sports performance, um, I would say practice in a setting that moves slowly enough that you can, A, more clearly, clearly identify, um, your imbalances and what's going on in your body and Mm -hmm. B, address those specific areas. Um, And it's going to be hard to do that in most general classes, which cater to such a broad range of um, practitioners. So I just, I just really caution athletes, you know, just um, to really take their time and get info about classes they're going to um, I suggest a great place to start is Jazz Yoga Video, just because the library um, addresses very specific areas of the body and different purposes, you know, both pre and post workout. Um, and, you know, like, like I mentioned earlier, I have a collection for cyclists that I'm about to release. So there's really, spe- really specific things that you can address, which um, I've had feedback athletes have found that really helpful for getting started. Yeah, that's awesome. And I will definitely include links to that in the the show notes for the podcast. Thank you. Um, Yeah, of course. It's funny. I was thinking about that. I did a um, a solo like one-on-one session with a yoga teacher about a year ago. And I was like, oh, I do yoga. So I really just want to work on my handstands because that's, you know, that's like the baller move that I want to be able to do. (laughs) And I got there and the guy was like, okay, well, let's see you get into a couple things. And he's like, oh, do a lunge. And I did that. He's like, okay, so that sucks. And we ended up spending the whole hour just correcting a lot of the postures that I thought that I had totally nailed. But once he was kind of explaining, oh, no, like, you're actually just like compensating with this. I was like, oh, my gosh. And it was so eye opening because I'd been to so many generic, you know, like you said, just, yeah, whatever yoga class was in the neighborhood and easy to get to. 
And no, yep. no teacher had ever like stopped and been like, "Oh, you're actually just compensating on all of these things." So. For sure, yeah. And that's another thing that's just really important to remember is that, like, I mean, in in hit reset, you know, a lot of what I've laid out that the poses, the stretches, the exercises are very are very straightforward. They're very simple because, like athletes think they have mastered these basic moves like yep. lunges and whatnot but perception tends to um just fail to align with reality totally. and so it's just so it was like we've got to close that gap we've got to really get real about like where our body is in space so yes it reminds me of that meme that was going around like a year ago where it's, you know, what I think I look like, what my friends <laughs> think I do, what my parents think I do, and then what you actually look like. Yep, totally. That's 100% <laughs> me with yoga. I'm like, yeah, I can totally touch my toes with my, my black, back nice and flat. And then if you actually look at me, it's like the most hunched over, like Quasimodo-esque thing. It's, it's awful. <laughs> For real. And actually, that's part of why um, for a couple of the self-tests that I've got in the book, I've suggested that you do them standing profile um, in front of a mirror so you mm -hmm. can really actually see yourself. Um, and actually, in September, I'm going to be releasing the whole... Um, all of the self-tests in the book I've I've filmed. So I'll be releasing a, a video collection of self-tests um, just because I think that that piece is really important for people to really like assess and get real about where they're at. So I, I filmed some videos about that just to really um, try to help drive that, that home for people. Oh, that's awesome. And I think, yeah, that seems to me to be like kind of the most important thing and the thing that always gets skipped in every yoga thing that I've seen and read. And I love yep. that. Um, so are there a couple of moves that you do every day? What's your daily yoga practice look like? Well, <laughs> my daily yoga practice has changed drastically um, because I have an eight-month-old baby. That's right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, to be totally honest, I have not practiced for more than 15 minutes at a time since she was born. Um, but I'm very proud to say I do, I still do yoga every day. And I've really kind of, you know, shifted my focus away from like doing these longer practices to really honing in on okay like how does my body feel today and what can I do in five minutes to sort that out mm -hmm. um, which I think is something that all athletes should be thinking about because one of the first things I hear um, when I ask people if they do yoga um, I don't have time people think they don't have time yes. and really like doing five minutes a day is way more impactful than going to one random class a week. Um, so for me personally, um, my practices are super short because um, I've got a wee one and very little childcare. Um, my favorite, um, I'd say that the two things that I do every day are some side bends, some, some standing side bends usually just because um, both as a mom and as an athlete, just everything I do, everything most of us um, do is so forward oriented that the sides of our bodies just are so tight and weak um, 
So side bending always feels awesome. And the most important thing that I do for myself every day and what I recommend all athletes do every day is legs up the wall. Put your legs up the wall for five minutes a day. Um, Ideally, like post-workout or even just, um, you know, the day sometimes obviously goes by super quick. Like put your, your legs up the wall for five minutes right before you go to bed and you will sleep better. Um, and your body will recover better from the events of the day. So those are, those are kind of my two go-tos at the moment. But, um, I really try to, um, I really try to hone in on, really how things feel every day and just make an effort to get five minutes into whatever's going on. Yep. I love that. I'm big on the five minutes in the morning thing. I've got like my quick little flow setup that I do every morning. And I swear compared to the fact that I've been doing yoga classes on and off for like 10 years, I can squat and I'm much better balanced than I've ever been because I've been doing that every day for seven months instead of, yeah, like you said, the once a week showing up at a random class. Awesome. That's made such a difference. Um, So I'm thinking about that checking in with your body. Are there any good sort of moves for athletes just to do that kind of daily check-in? Like I know for me, it's how, how, close to my toes can I get very casually and if I can't get down all the way I'm like okay I'm a little a little tight today right well and some of those things like also just depend on like how close you you can get to your toes like other factors like oh how warmed up you are like what time of day it is those kinds of things all like it will impact like your range of motion Mm -hmm. but I mean I think for most athletes like it's pretty obvious like as you kind of get your day going like, oh, um, my hamstrings feel really stiff or just my booty feels locked or, you know, my yeah. shoulders are really stiff. Um, it should be pre- pretty obvious if you just stop for a minute and, for example, use one of the um, breathing um, techniques in the book just to really like help yourself slow down and tune in and start to notice how you feel. Um, and then from there, like, especially if you only have five minutes, just like hone straight in on what area is really talking to you. And, and I think this is a skill that's really important to develop as an athlete. I think sometimes athletes are surprisingly um, lacking in, in just that self-awareness of really how things are feeling. And when we actually take the time to stop even just for a few minutes, sometimes we realize, oh, I'm a lot more tired than I realized, or, yep. oh, there's a weird niggle in my left calf, or, you know, what, whatever it is. But it, it's, it's, it's about paying attention and then being willing to respond accordingly and just, you know, acknowledge that that the the responding part like you do have time to do it you've got like two to five minutes to do something yeah yeah if someone with an eight-month-old baby can handle it the those of us that (laughs) don't have that should be able to squeak out a couple minutes yeah totally well I've certainly well and it's sometimes you have to be creative about it too like and and that's cool that's like you know that's yoga for real Um, yeah you know, I've actually started to, we're, we're starting to encourage people to like share their pictures of like 
some of the wacky ways they're just like fitting fitting it in like I've been posting some pictures on Instagram of just like what my yoga setup looks like which is just like me with my baby climbing on me and like it's just you know but it's anything is better than nothing so yeah. yeah for sure I find myself going into tree pose pretty much like anytime I'm like standing talking to people and that's that's the large extent <laughs> of what I do during the day that's awesome <laughs> okay so are there are there certain backgrounds or sports that you've you've seen to be better or worse at yoga like who comes in and is just like awesome and then who comes <laughs> in and is like oh boy oh boy (laughs) um (laughs) well really like I like to think that there is no such thing as being good at yoga like and this is is something like I try to like get athletes to like you know get their head around yeah like because people say oh I can't do it I'm not athletes will be like oh I don't want to do it I'm not good at it or I'm too inflexible to do yoga and um I encourage athletes to approach yoga as the balancing factor to everything else they do rather than just another workout or another thing that they have to perform well in. Um, You know, that being said, some people are naturally more flexible than others, um, which is due to a number of factors. And um, well, athletes like gymnasts and dancers, for example, you know, tend to be super limber because their sport more Mm -hmm. directly requires it. And so they've worked at it. Um, Bear in mind also, though, that too much flexibility can be just as bad as not enough. So finding the right balance of strength and flexibility is really the key to optimizing your performance and being as resilient as possible. Um, So really, though, I mean... You know, I would say I haven't noticed, like, aside from, like, gymnasts and dancers, I wouldn't say that, like, certain, like, athletes just across the board are stiffer than others. It's, it's um, you know, some, like, genetic factors play, play into just natural flexibility, but it's the people who actually just, like, spend time on it that are more limber. It's like you... You lift weights, you get stronger, you, mm-hmm. you stretch, you do yoga, you, you become more flexible. It really is like, it's that simple. Um, so there's, there's no like being good at it. And every, every day is different. Even if you think you're just like the boss at like, you know, touching your toes. Like yeah. if you do a super gnarly workout the next day, you might not be getting there quite so easy. So it's just every day is different. And you know, we should be using yoga as like the balancing factor, not just like another way to push ourselves. Yeah. I thought it was really funny when you just thinking about people that are like, oh, I'm really inflexible or I'm really bad at yoga, so I'm not going to do it is just probably the most counterintuitive thought process ever. Yeah. It's just like, oh, yeah, that's smart. That makes sense. Like, all right, well, have fun being injured. Or yeah. just, I mean, it just, or it's like people, the same people though, who say that they're too inflexible to do yoga or they don't have time or whatever. These are the same people who are just like moaning all the time that, oh, my hips are so tight. My hamstrings <laughs> are so stiff. Oh, it just, you know, it to be, it 
feels like crap if you're super stiff and sore all the time, you yes. know? So it's like, stop like moaning about it and just do something about it. And I think there is just a big misperception that you need a ton of time to make an impact. And that simply isn't true. Yeah, for sure. All right, so I'm going to go into hit reset here. Your book is divided into sections uh, with kind of different body parts, so how to mobilize hips, stretch shoulders, a bunch of core stuff. Uh, what are some of your, I guess, what's your favorite section? Um, and if you could run through some of the key points from it, like why the part matters, what's a good range of motion or flexibility, and how to get there? Right. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say that I necessarily have, like, a favorite <laughs> section yeah. of the book I mean I to be honest I just keep coming back to like for myself and and also for my teaching and thinking about really what what I want to to say um is the is the rediscover balance section you know yes. really really continuing to bring myself and bring athletes back to what balance means and why it matters. And even in that section, just the short routine at the wall is just such a great check-in. I try to do this at least once a week um, because it just it gives you so much information about like, especially like what's going on in your hips and your hamstrings um, and your spine, the way that you're, the ways that you're compensating. And it's just, it's a really fantastic, like restorative, um, stretching routine to do. So, um, I highly recommend athletes, you know, spend 10 minutes a week just with that to go through, um, that routine, which is only a couple of poses. Um, yeah. Cause you'll feel awesome afterwards. Yeah, no, I really like that one. And yeah, for checking in, that is probably one of the, the best ones to do. And definitely one I've tried it a couple times now. And I'm just like, oh, wow, I I am really tight in my hips. Like that's that's probably my biggest thing. I went for a sports massage a few weeks ago and she's like, do you want me to release your psoas? I'm like, sure, that sounds great. And she couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> she's kind of like, I'm going to stop because I'm going to hurt you. Right. Well, if you're a cyclist, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. Well, it's, um, I mean, and with that too, it's like, um, that routine in particular is super powerful because you're, you're getting great, some great hip and hamstring stretches, but you know, by anchoring yourself to the wall, it's like, it's way more clear where your body is in space and how you're compensating. Otherwise it's just left to our own devices, like without any feedback, it's just our per perception just does not align with reality. And so we're not doing ourselves any favors. Yeah. It's funny. One of the questions Peter, um, my, my co-host wanted me to ask was, is there any equipment to make yoga easier? And I really feel like the wall is probably the best <laughs> answer for that. It's so simple. It is but... for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so on the on the topic of hips, though, what are some of your favorite moves for stretching out and mobilizing your hips? If you were to name um, a couple. Yeah, for the hips, um, just for hip stretching, like especially like post workout stuff in hip chapter, uh, mobilize your hips. Really, like that 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 whole reclined hip stretching routine. Um, I've been teaching for years 
And I've seen people make huge gains just in range of motion by doing that routine consistently because it, it just moves your hips through it, their full range of motion, which especially as, you know, as a cyclist and runners, it's, it's so important that you get outside of your usual range of motion and wake up some of those muscles and really, you know, just remind your body of <laughs> what it's designed to be able to do. Um, so let's see. But specifically, maybe I'll give you a couple of poses for for cyclists within that that I think are really great. Yeah. Um, I mean, gosh, it's really hard to pick, like, a favorite, to be honest. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I would say, like, the easiest one, like, if you're just like, oh, my hips are, my, my butt is sore and I just, like, I'm tired. I don't feel like stretching. Like, if you're gonna do, like, one thing and you're feeling, like, really lazy... Um, just do reclined hero. Like it's about as easy as it gets just lying on your back with your feet wide apart and your knees dropping together. Like it just, it, it's so simple, but so effective because it again, moves your hips outside their usual range of motion. And it's also super relaxing for the low back. And I hear a lot of cyclists complaining about low back soreness so that's a great one. So, you know, you could do that and then move right into the next pose, which is reclined windshield wipers, which is just simple range of motion, which again, as a cyclist will take your hips immediately outside of uh, their usual range of motion. So that's just super, super important. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I think so the the podcast sort of focuses on this idea of being, you know, a consummate athlete. So being able to kind of jump into pretty much any sport that you're given, whether it's, you know, ultimate frisbee with your friends or like a bike tour or, you know, really long run or something like that. And I feel like, you know, what the book does is it really shows if you have kind of all of these things, if your butt is awake, if your shoulders are mobilized, if you know how to engage your core, like those are all the movements that it takes to be able to jump into any sport safely too. Exactly. Um, yeah. And it's a, a lot of this is just like so simple, so effective, but it's like, but to be ultimately a super balanced, resilient athlete, like you need all of these things. Like, so you really need to pay attention to like, how whatever sport you are doing is creating an imbalance and use some of these really simple tools to address that before it becomes a, a problem. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I keep coming back to the, the core chapter, to be honest. So I love mm-hmm. your, your first problem where it's a sleepy center limits your power. Uh, so could you just talk about why the core is so important for, I mean, any sport really, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, And I will say, like, over the years, one of the things that just consistently, like, shocks me the most, these, like, amazing athletes who (laughs) have, like, super buff bods and six packs and all this stuff, but they can't, like, do the most basic core exercise without, like, having a personal earthquake. Yeah. And it's because... well, a, com- a number of factors. I think a lot of times, uh, just core the, the core work that athletes doing are doing sometimes is just not particularly functional. 
Um, often I see stuff that just is more like flailing around than actually like really controlled functional core work. And so, I mean, ultimately your core should be awake and strong enough to stabilize your spine in neutral. Um, and if your core muscles can't do that, you're going to see like the postural issues that I talk about on page 37. Um, just, you know, there's a self test to help people figure out like where their core weakness might be. Mm -hmm. But, um, really like more than anything, what I think is important is to, when it comes to core work is to pick things, pick movements, core movements that, force you to like strengthen, to stabilize your spine. Um, so you're, you're strengthening your, your core muscles to stabilize your spine in neutral while doing your sports movement. For yes. example, um, I call it back running, but really it's like the same as cycling. It's, you know, really stabilizing your core while you're moving your legs. Mm -hmm. um, in this sort of bicycle type movement and people really struggle with that, which I think is, is, should be giving them a lot of information about like, you know, just how, how limited their, their core power is when they're actually on their bike or on their run. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, so you also mentioned, uh, the self-test with where's your core weakness, I think posture is one of those things that really trips up cyclists. Yeah, <laughs> so for sure. The one question I always ask people, and I, I have yet to hear a really good answer, and maybe you can help here. What is good posture? Like, what does good posture feel like? For cyclists, you mean for, when you're on your bike or no, just no, generally? Just generally. <laughs> what does it feel like? Yeah, I feel like I am utterly incapable of standing up straight without looking yep. like I'm doing like a fake military posture. <laughs> yep, totally. Well, for most of us, like standing up straight, it, it feels hard. Like, I'll tell you what, the <laughs> hardest, the hardest yoga pose there is, is it's the, the, the yes that's on this self-test page. Simply like standing in a neutral anatomical position is like the hardest thing to do because we don't do it we sit all the time yep. and then we hunch over our handlebars we hunch forward when we run it's everything is like out in front of us and so it's really tough to stand up straight and, and get things back into like their home <laughs> get things back where they're supposed to be um yep. so like standing up straight should feel really hard. <laughs> that's, that's what it should feel like. Um, you know, it should feel like your upper back is working super hard to get your shoulder blades back into their home. It should feel like you're trying to take your head back in space and lengthening your neck uh, while lengthening your neck taller. Um, cause most of us, like our head is forward and, um, you know, another, another thing people should be aware of is knee locking is, is like one of the other, like, like top things I see. People are just standing there like with their joints locked. And, you know, if you, um, if you're locking your knees, like all the time when you're just like standing, you're like, 
<laughs> creating a super bad habit, but you, you can't, you can't use your muscular strength if your joints are locked. So, mm-hmm. um, that's just bad, bad, bad. Don't yeah. spend time on that. <laughs> um, does that answer your question? <laughs> it does. Yeah. I'm, as I'm, you know, standing here, I'm trying to do it. I'm like, wow, that is really uncomfortable and unpleasant. <laughs> yeah. It's unpleasant. So people don't want to do it. Yep. It's like, you know, so some of this basic stuff, like it is hard, it is work. And, but the good news is the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Yeah. You know, so again, a little bit every day will get you there and keep you there. Yeah. Well, and the good thing with that, with that posture one is you can do that standing in line at like the store or something and no one's going to think you're the weirdo doing yoga. Totally. Yep. <laughs> so that's, that's a nice part about it for sure. Yeah. Um, in general, um, what is like the one message that you want every athlete to know about yoga and hit reset and stretching and all of that great stuff. I would say more than, more than anything, I just want people to know that yoga is a game changer. Yoga will make you a better athlete. Mm -hmm. Um, and that you do have time to do it. I mean, it's just like yoga for real people yoga for real yes um, i just really want athletes to to drop some of these misperceptions that they're not good at it they don't have time and um slow down enough to become aware of some of these imbalances what's going on in their body and and then be willing to respond in as little as 5 minutes a day to, you know, avoid injuries and improve recovery and ultimately um, improve performance in any sport. Yeah. Awesome. Um, On the back of that, I would also say, though, like, again, like, remember that it's not just about doing yoga. It's really about how you're doing it that, that matters. So really, really like helping people to, you know, think for themselves and connect those dots in a way that's relevant to what's going on in their own body. Yeah, absolutely. As always, thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode with Erin Taylor. And to find out more about her and check out some of her awesome videos, you can go visit her at jazzyoga.com. That's jasyoga.com. And of course, we'll have all of the links to her different things, including her awesome hit reset book over at consummateathlete.com in the show notes. And of course, if you have any suggestions for podcast guests, or you want to hear more from Erin or ask her questions, or ask us questions about our yoga practices, you can feel free to tweet at us at Molly J. Herford and at Peter Glassford. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we will see you next time. Have a great week.